The North Fork A Weekend podcast is brought to you by Sherry Winter Parker of Corcoran. Sherry is the North Fork's top real estate agent and top producer from 2005 through 2021. Hi again, and welcome to another episode of the North Forker Podcast. I am Michalina Defont, and I am joined today by Tara Smith. Hi, Tara. Hey, Michalina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. And we also have Victoria Caruso here. Hey, Victoria. Hey. So today we are talking about our October magazine. Um, we say it every month, but it, it's hard to believe that it is already um, another magazine upon us. And this is our harvest issue, which feels super appropriate. Uh, Grant and I were talking on our last podcast about how we usually work so far in advance um, and sometimes we're working out of season. Um, this one we definitely worked on in the summertime and now that it's here it feels so good to read through a fall harvesty type issue as these days are starting to cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely fall. It's here. Uh, I feel like we've been in fall mode so long just working on the magazine, but uh, it really is just such a nice time of year to take a moment, stop and really appreciate uh, all of the bounty on the North Fork from uh, the grape harvest to oysters and everything else in between that we uh, certainly cover uh, in this October magazine. Yeah, and speaking of one of those harvests that are something you just kind of can't resist this time of year, Victoria, let's chat about your guide to pumpkins and gourds. Yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite pieces to write. Um, I learned so much. I honestly didn't know that much about pumpkins before, so it was really cool to to look into. Yeah, that was great. I feel like now you are the expert on pumpkins and gourds. So if anyone has any questions, <laughs> shoot them to Victoria. She can definitely answer. Um, and it looks like a lot of fun working with those different farmers and talking to them and learning so much about uh, pumpkins and gourds of the North Fork. Did you uh, have a favorite pumpkin that you encountered uh, along the way in your reporting? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the Marina Chioya pumpkin um, was really cool, super warty and just kind of like very um, like Halloween looking. I love an ugly pumpkin. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, Michalina. I like the gray ones, the gray blue ones. I think they're so like funky and cool and aesthetically pleasing. So those are my picks for sure. Yeah, there's actually like a really big following on the North Fork apparently for like the warty pumpkins. A a lot of the farmers were telling me that people like come to their stands specifically looking for like the ugliest ones. (laughs) They're calling me out. (laughs) That's super fun. Another story that we have in the magazine that was written by Lee Meyer um, is on, uh, it's called Labors of Love, and it is about creating corn mazes. So corn mazes right now are plentiful on the North Fork. You can go to many, many, many farms and get to enjoy and wander through a corn maze. Some of them are spooky. Others are just uh, simply magical and go and, and enjoy looping around um, and kind of getting lost in them. Uh, Lee spoke with the Krupskis and Stakey's Farm and, and also Harbs as well. Um, and it's pretty cool how... Uh, Lee gets into how this is this is so much fun for these um, farmers to kind of create these mazes. They spend a lot of time planning um, and thinking of what will work best and the adventure that will be found within. Um, I especially um, loved when he talked to um, Stakies about the plans there and um, how they plan out their trivia questions and um, kind of like what they think of along the way. Um, so it's definitely a lot more in depth and detail than I would have thought. I guess I never really thought about what it takes to plan a corn maze, but now I know. Um, and yeah, these are these are intense. They're not just a half an acre. These are six, eight, 
more acres and it takes a lot. Um, a lot of planting starts back in the summer as they actually plant the cornfields. Um, so it begins in around July or so when they start this process. And uh, yeah, it's it's a lot and it looks awesome and fun. And now I have an even stronger appreciation for these super fun um, and sometimes scary corn mazes. Yeah, me too. I, I definitely learned a lot from Lee's story and uh, hope people do take away that uh, that newfound appreciation for them while they uh, walk through with their family. Tara, you did a great story about preserving our harvest, which is perfect for this time of year as we're kind of um, ending our, our, our backyard gardens and looking to or what to do with these things that we are maybe so sick of eating. Um, so let's talk a bit about how to preserve our harvest. Definitely. So my my garden in, in my backyard is uh, still uh, producing a lot of tomatoes, some eggplants, peppers. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, you've, you've we're at the point now where I've cooked it uh, a dozen different ways. Uh, my friends are sick of me. They're like, stop giving me all this produce. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. So it's, I just wanted to kind of explore the, uh, tradition and the art of canning and preserving because, um, you know, there's nothing like pulling out um, frozen tomatoes or canned tomatoes uh, that are have that garden fresh taste still, you know, on a snowy January day. And I love making soup with that. And, um, you know, everyone kind of has those little traditions that are very nice to have. Cordell and the East End Food Institute shared uh some information on their workshops and also two recipes, one for canned tomatoes and also for a really yummy looking uh, kale pistachio pesto that you can try out for yourself if you pick up a copy of the magazine. That sounds really good. It really does. I'll have to make that for sure. That's a fun one. Another story we have in the magazine um, is a roundup of spooky thrills. It's events that are all Halloween um, and spooky season based. So of course we have our 10, our things to do in the front of the book, but Lee put together a really fun roundup of all different things you can do uh, for the Halloween season, such as a graveyard tour in Mattituck, which is always a fun one. There's also um, many Halloween celebrations, including a trunk or treat at Halleckville on Saturday, October 29th, which obviously is wonderful for children. And also for those that have pups and like to dress up their dogs, there's a Halloween dog parade um, on Sunday the 30th at Greenport Harbor Brewing Co. Um, they're super dog friendly and this is a really fun event. Um, there's also of course the Greenport Village annual holiday um, parade and um, just so many fun different things to do for in October for Halloween. I am a Halloween lover. Can't wait to dress up and uh, yes I will be bringing my dog to the uh, Greenport pet parade. <laughs> Stephanie Pinkar Coleman, one of our freelancers, also put together a fun story um, rounding up some harvest lessons from farmers' uh, first harvests and um, just like some fun takeaways there. Tara, let's chat about it. Yeah, Stephanie did this really beautiful look, um, you know, kind of comparing, you know, that the, she, she centers the story around firsts in life. So, you know, you have your first house, your first job, your first love, um, but for North Fork farmers, for growers, uh, they also have their first ever harvest, which is uh, certainly a milestone and resulted in some great stories to tell. So she asked um, some local farmers to reflect on that very first harvest, um, to share some lessons learned and, uh, you know, just some good stories about, uh, you know, where they were then and also, you know, bringing our readers up to speed on where they're at now. Uh, she painted some nice vignettes about each farmer. Um, I think now they all uh, look back at that first year with a little bit of romanticism, but uh, they were 
certainly full of mishaps, some funny anecdotes uh, along the way. We had Ian from North Fork Brewing Company uh, look back on their first hops harvest, which was all the way back in 2013, so almost a decade ago. Uh, and he recalled, you know, it took a lot of help from his friends, from his family, uh, and also that it was sticky and time consuming. So uh, I, th I just think that's so funny. And then when you, uh, you take that in and you look at where the brewery is now and uh, you know, obviously they've they've learned a couple things. They're they've become more efficient, and they're they're brewing some really great beer. Um, again, gives you a, a new uh, appreciation for the work that they do. Uh, Stephanie also spoke with an oyster farmer and some more traditional, you know, produce farmers, uh, and it was really interesting to just uh, read about what they've learned and uh, what their plans are for the future. She did a, a nice job on that. Yeah, she really did. It was definitely a. a um, fun read that felt like just nostalgic and, and really beautiful. Uh, Tara, as you mentioned, there um, is quite an oyster theme in this magazine. So, of course, harvest season does not exclude oysters. Um, in fact, it is um, kind of some it's of the time for it. <laughs> exactly. It's an ER month. Um, and so oysters are a big theme in this magazine. You'll see our cover um, that has beautiful a beautiful shot of some local oysters there. Um, Victoria, you wrote a story about Cornell Cooperative Extension's SPAT program, um, and I'd love to learn more about it. Yeah, so I spoke with Kim, who runs the program, um, and it's a really cool program. It basically teaches community members how to start their own underwater oyster farms. Not only are the oyster farmers helping the environment by putting oysters in the water and, you know, oysters are they filter water. But um, yeah, so not only do they help the environment with their work, but they also get to harvest the oysters after the program to eat and share with family and friends. And this is something that's definitely really unique among restorative oyster programs. Awesome. Um, that was definitely a very interesting read. Bob Lipa um, from our news team also did a story focused on oysters in this magazine, um, and this is specifically about basketball legend Sue Wicks, um, and she was a basketball player turned oyster farmer, um, going back to her family's roots. She lives off the fork um, in Mastic Beach, and Bob did a great job telling her story um, about her time playing basketball um, and also her transition to um, becoming an oyster farmer. Um, and this is definitely a very interesting read as well. Something that I could never picture of a basketball player turned oyster farmer, but, um, it was something super, super interesting to read and, um, definitely new to, to me for sure. Yeah, that, that was a great, uh, you know, little feature on Sue Wicks who, uh, you know, I got to learn about her basketball career, but also, you know, she has, uh, sort of continued a family legacy, which you can read about uh, if you look into the story. I think her uh, great-grandfather was a rum runner, uh, great-great-grandfather was a, a captain. So she's uh, she's definitely got it in her blood a little bit. And uh, <laughs> Dave Benthal, as always, took some really beautiful shots of her uh, out uh, at her oyster farm. Yeah, definitely did. And last up, just to, just to quickly mention here, we also have our map for the month, um, which is um, a, a roundup on UPIC pumpkin farms, no surprise here. Um, however, we chose to, to focus on um, the other thing that these farms offer. So not just pumpkin picking, but some of them are standouts for their playground areas or maybe because they have the best coffee cake um, or lots of fun games or apple picking as well. So definitely check that out in this issue of North Forker Magazine. Well, Tara and Victoria, thank you so much for jumping on and talking about this harvest issue with me. It's a lot of fun, as always. 
We'll be back next week with a podcast focused on weekend events. So thank you all. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, Michalina. Thanks.